begin by um, reading our passage one more time from beginning to end. So we're going to read John 15, beginning at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, made, made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. Fruit bearing is of primary importance to God. In this passage, he mentions it in the very beginning, in the very second sentence, in the first sentence. And then he goes on to mention it eight more times, well, eight times total. And so this is going to be the subject of our last time together, the fruit bearing. Let's pray before we begin. Lord, thank you so much for your word and your truth. Thank you for speaking it and for allowing it to be recorded so that thousands of years later we can be reading it and studying it and knowing you and understanding what you would have us to do so that we can know you better and that we can please you and glorify you. Lord, help us to understand this concept. Open up our hearts and our minds to see your word in a way that we've never seen it. Illuminate the scriptures to us. Illuminate our understanding. Give us fresh revelation. Lord, if there's anything in these notes that are, is not something that you would have me say, I pray that you would put a stop and a filter on my mouth. And Lord, if there's anything that I should say that is not in my notes, I pray that you'd prompt me and that I would be sensitive and that I would speak it and be obedient. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room that you would prepare the soil of their hearts to receive the seed so that it would 
become implanted in their hearts, that they would receive, they would fall on good ground, that it would take deep root, that the roots would go very um, far and wide, and that they would spring up and grow, and that they would bear much fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> First of all, I want to say before I start talking, I have a very bad cold, so if I have to stop and have a cough situation, <laughs> just pause, we'll just pause, and Alan will delete me. He'll mute me. I don't know what Alan. Alan will do nothing. Alan's just going to smile and wave while I cough. Okay. Um, okay, before we start, we're going to have a pop quiz. You didn't know there were going to be quizzes in this class, did you? Okay. Um, if you know the answer, I just want you to yell it out. Are you ready? Number one, true or false? In John 15, Jesus commands us to bear fruit. False. <laughs> Jesus does not command us ever to bear fruit. What is the question two? That is a perfect segue into question number two. What is the command? To abide and there's one more. Abide. No. Look at verse 12. That you love one another. Yes. Okay, very good. Sorry, this is tougher than I thought it was going to be. Number three, it is possible for a person to be abiding in the vine but not bear fruit. True or false? True. That is correct. That's in, found in verse two. Okay, what are the three main reasons a branch might not be bearing fruit? Sin. Which, like, if it was an actual branch, that would look like disease, disease and mites, but in a person, that would be sin, correct? That's one. Young, very good. And not connected to the vine. That's this guy. He will forever be our, we don't want to be like him example, right? Yes, okay, number, what number are we on? Five. Whose job is it to do the pruning? The father or the vine dresser. Yes. Okay. Um, what, so, what's the job of the branch? To abide. Right. Um, what is the vine dresser's main goal? To what? To help you bear fruit. To coax as much fruit as possible from those branches. That is the vine dresser's main goal. Maximum fruit production. Okay. Abiding in the vine, there's so many questions. You didn't know this was coming. I, this is more a review because I want to bring everybody up to speed where we're going. Okay, um, number eight. Abiding in the vine is mostly the stuff other people do not see. True or false? True, yes. The abiding part is the stuff that, that is inside. You're doing that privately. Very good. Uh, number nine. What are some practical ways, just yell them out, that we abide in Christ? Get rid of sin. Okay, so like repentance or obedience. Okay, all right. The spiritual disciplines, which, can you name a couple spiritual disciplines? Prayer, fasting. Oh, nice. Silence, solitude, prayer, fasting, worship. Someone said something back there, reading the word. Very good, sorry. <laughs> if I do a little bit of this, just bear with me. <coughs> Um, 
Okay, uh, what about your trust? Your listening, obedience, love for others, your motives, your thoughts. Very good. Okay, remember, this is, we're going to say it about 10,000 times tonight. That's a slight exaggeration. Fruit is the natural outgrowth of the abiding vine that is properly and regularly pruned. Okay, so fruit is an outgrowth. It has to be on a vine that is abiding in the true vine, on a branch that is abiding in the true vine, and it is submitting on a regular basis to the pruning, okay? There are five different branches that we identified in this passage. This part won't be a quiz. This is more review for you. And so far, we looked at four of them. So first, we looked at a branch in Christ that does not bear fruit. And to that one, the vine dresser takes it up, lifts it up, cleans it. Okay, that was the branch number one. Branch number two was the branch in Christ that bears fruit. To that one, the vine dresser prunes it so that it becomes the third branch, which is the branch in Christ that bears more fruit. So he's trying to always take us to greater fruit production. You can see this in this passage. Um, and then we're going to skip number four because we're going to go over that one tonight. The other one we've already covered is the fifth branch. That's the branch that's not in Christ. This can never produce fruit. And to that one, it's thrown away into the fire and it's burned. Okay? Tonight, we're going to look at the fourth branch. That is the branch in Christ that bears much fruit. That's found in John 15, verse 5, and also in verse 8 where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And then verse 8, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. That's the goal, to be abiding in Christ and have Christ abiding in us so that we bear much fruit and we glorify the Father, and prove to be his disciples. That's the whole point of the whole thing, okay? This is the culmination of everything we've learned is to get us to this point. This is the point. This is pretty much the point of your existence, pretty much. Um, now, remember, this analogy to, to the disciples, it didn't require any explanation because vineyards were such a part of their life. Um, it would be as common as if I, you know, gave you an analogy of driving a car. Like, you would understand immediately all the nuances of that analogy. Or if I talked about talking on a cell phone or shopping at Target. Like, those are such normal, everyday things to us. We probably all did those things today more than once. Well, maybe not the Target. Maybe that was just me. Um, not just you. All right, we have another Target shopper. Um, so... This is how it was when Jesus pointed to a vineyard and he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches, and my father is the vine dresser. Because the grapes were a staple. Um, the, they ate them, in, in their culture, they ate them raw. Um, they pressed them and used the juice to drink fresh. They also fermented it and made it into wine. I've, I had at least one... Um, request tonight to serve wine at this last one, but I declined because I think that would be frowned upon. Um, they preserved the grapes uh, by drying them and pressing them into raisin cakes, and also grapes were their main source of sugar, so they used grapes to sweeten other foods, 
And um, the actively producing vineyards were the way that God commanded the Hebrews to feed their poor because they were told that they had to leave the gleanings there and so they, they wouldn't strip those uh, vines bare. They would leave uh, fruit. <laughs> That's what we're talking about after all. <laughs> they would leave the fruit on the vines and, and then the poor would come and pick up the gleanings from that. So, so as we go into this, I mean, just realize that, that all the, like, taking it apart like this, this is why the disciples didn't say, Master, explain to us what you mean, because they, they understood exactly what he meant. But we have to, because, you know, I don't live by a vineyard personally, so I, have to, I need all the nuances. Um, so tonight, as we get started, I have good news for you, and I have bad news for you. The good news is that in real life, a real-life vine, the, the ability to produce fruit increases every year. So the longer that vine, that plant, that, that whole grapevine system is in the ground, growing, being pruned, and, and in good soil, the longer it exists, the more fruit it makes every year. Now, this is really good news because for us, in, our, in a culture where youth is idolized, um, and, and those of us who are advancing in years um, remember back to when we look different and could do different things, and, and we start to wonder, you know, do I have value like I used to have? This is really good news, because in God's kingdom, the longer you're abiding in the vine and the older you get, the more fruit you produce like real fruit that remains. So that's really, really good news. The bad news is that as that vine continues to grow, um, it requires more intensive pruning the older it gets. So if that means that like the older, because it just continues to proliferate, that it, if, if the vine dresser does not aggressively prune that branch on a regular basis, it will go completely out of control. So, you know, it gets a little bit worse. Hold on. Okay, so, I know, I'm sorry. I thought we were done with the pruning, but, uh, okay, so, so, remember in week one when we talked about the intense pruning, like, at the end of the harvest, and, like, they would, the vine dresser would completely prune back, okay? That was not during growing season. As the, as the uh, branch matures, the vine dresser starts to cut back even the fruit. So he does it in two different ways. So he will either, so let's say that there's a branch and there's several grape clusters on it. He will either, depending on the strength of that branch, cut off complete clusters of fruit so that the branch, for either one, can sustain the weight of it, or two, to force the nutrients to go to a smaller number of grape clusters so that the quality of the fruit that remains on that branch is maximum quality, okay? So he might do it that way. Or he might take each grape cluster and snip off the end of it so only a portion of it remains, which would do the same thing. It would force the nutrients 
away from the end of the cluster and into the grapes that remain so that the grapes that are there are the best grapes possible. The vine dresser sacrifices fruit for the sake of improving the quality of the fruit as, uh, as a whole. Okay, so remember in, in, um, when we talked before about how the, it took about three years for the grapevine to start producing fruit. So we have an image of that. So once the vine dresser had taken the time and effort to prune and train and establish by that year three, he wasn't going to sacrifice, I mean, this wasn't, okay, he's going to spend the most time and the most care on, on that most mature branch, the most mature tree, because look at how much fruit is on that. Okay, so he's going to spend the most time there. I used to think, as a young Christian, that like humans, we spend the most time cultivating spending time with the babies, right? God spends the most time pruning and training and, and, and really, really working with us because in, back in, in ancient Near East, Near East if, if that crop failed, he couldn't just run up to Kroger and buy some grapes, right? This was his livelihood. This was, this was the whole reason he existed. So it goes with us. Your faith as a maturing Christian will be tested more and more the longer you serve God for the maximum soul, for the sole purpose of maximum fruit production. And I, I too was hoping that the vine dresser put down his um, pruning shears at some point, but that is not true. This is for our abundance and for our completion. James 3, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This type of mature pruning, it goes way beyond cutting off um, dead branches and aggressive growth, though that can still happen, but that happens mostly in an immature branch. But in a mature branch, and, and more when I'm talking about people now, it goes to the very heart of who you are, okay? It goes to where you find your identity. It goes to what defines you. It goes to the people or things you love the most, where you find your significance, where you find your security, where you find your satisfaction. And it even goes to your right to understand God and your right to understand why he does what he does when he does. Like he's, he, he wants to go to the root of all of that. When I look back over my 30, almost 33 years now of serving God, I can readily identify two major times where God cut me back severely. And I share this with you just to illustrate to you how this might look. It might not look like this exactly for you, but this is what it looked like in my life. One, the first period was a time where I felt like he moved me from producing fruit to more fruit. And the second one was when we went from more fruit to positioning me for much fruit. So back in 1996, um, 
God moved John and me from our hometown where we had lived our entire lives with our family and friends. We met there. All of my family and friends lived within, lived within five miles of us. Um, we both come from huge families, both of us seven kids in each family, celebrations, all of that. Okay, so God picked us up, moved us to Florida, which I'm not complaining. We moved to Florida, from Toledo, Ohio to Florida. That is not a bad deal. Um, but we were only 27 years old, and we had only been married two years. And, um, and our marriage, I think John would agree, he's not here to nod, so I'll just say whatever I want. But um, <laughs> our marriage at that point um, was, was not doing well. Like, it was, it was hanging by a thread, honestly. And um, so not only did God strip back the relationships that geographical distance naturally made, um, but he also began to challenge me theologically. I was confused about some church doctrines that were specific to the denomination that we were in, and um, the more I searched the scriptures, the more confused I became, which quite frankly, complicated the relationships even further because a lot of the relationships that were now strained because of distance were more strained because I was questioning the doctrines that these people believed. My family, my friends, they all went to these, this church. And, um, and it was very, very hard, okay? So I just remember sitting down with my open Bible in my new home in a strange city where I knew no one, and I had felt like God had asked me to give up everything to move. Um, I was there with a husband who I wasn't even sure liked me. Here he comes. <laughs> I'm going to say it really fast. He's awesome. <laughs> and so John is so awesome. <laughs> um, so I felt like God had asked me to give up everything for this move. And, and now even my theology and my faith and relationships. Um, and I just remember sitting in the middle of my living room floor, cross-legged, with my Bible open and saying, okay, I don't even know what I believe anymore, but I'm going to believe that um, you are God and that the Bible is true. And beyond that, I don't really know what I believe. Let's just start over. And not long after that, I became pregnant and gave birth to our first son. And nine months later, he died. Suddenly and unexpectedly from an un undiagnosed but treatable metabolic disorder. And then I wasn't even sure what I believed about the God that I just said, you're the only one I believe. Because I didn't know, like, can you heal? Will you heal? Can I even trust you? Like, do you even care? Like, that's where I was. Now, mind you, I was 10 full years into my walk with God at this point. I was not a new Christian. I felt like I had proven myself or whatever. I don't know what I was thinking. And he cut it all back. Now, that pruning lasted a couple years, after which I saw many new buds of growth begin to develop. God opened our hearts for adoption, which wouldn't have happened if my son would have lived. I led the children's ministry at, at our church as a direct result of that. I led Bible studies in my home. And then we moved here, and I got involved in serving in all different areas of the church, and I saw fruit produced as a direct result of that severe pruning process. And I thought I was done. 
I had survived the severe pruning, and I was producing more fruit. Yay, but no. So the next major pruning took place the entire span of my 40s. Like, that is, like, no exaggeration. So during this decade, God used my used parenting, my marriage, again, health issues both in myself and in my children, and the loss of my best friend to prune back everything that I felt like I had gained in that first pruning. He cut me so deeply and, and, and was trying to reveal to me how much I was placing so much of my self-worth and my security in other people and in my own abilities and in my relationships, how much I placed my identity in being a mom. And, and, and so when my kids were making bad choices, I, I took that upon myself and I became very unstable. And when our marriage got a little rocky again, I took that upon myself because if things were not stable in our marriage, I was not stable internally. And God was trying to let me know, your security is not in your husband. Your security is not in your parenting. Your security is not in your gifting. Your security is in me, Sandy, and I will continue to strip these things back until you get that. Yeah, wow, exactly. Exactly. Right, and I'm not kidding or exaggerating when I tell you that God pruned back so much of Sandy in my 40s that when I turned 50 last year, I hardly recognized myself. And it's such, a, it's such a good thing. When I go back and read old journals or old Bible studies that I did and I, I, I wrote answers down, I'm thinking, who is that? Like, whoa. Compared to 40-year-old Sandy, I think completely different thoughts than I did even 10 years ago. I value completely different things. My identity and my self-worth are no longer tangled up in people's opinions about me. God completely freed me from people-pleasing and from perfectionism, like completely free. I do not, and I don't say that to, please hear me, I'm not saying that to like, I'm so awesome. I'm saying there was a pruning process that took place that God was trying to achieve some things in me. And I'm so glad that he did that because I wanted those things gone too. And I didn't know, I was so bound up. He, he completely freed me of, of cycles like cyclical patterns of bondage in, in our marriage and in the way I was parenting my growing kids that just kept me bound for decades. He broke all of that during this period. And, and now um, I don't care what people think about our marriage. <laughs> I don't care what people think about my parenting. I don't care what people think about how I spend my time. I, I feel like Paul, when he said, I resolve to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. Like, I resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. Like, that is, that is exactly where I am. And I feel like that branch that got pruned back 90%, and now I am positioned for some new growth and some new fruit. I might look a little bare right now, and I'm okay with that because you know what? I, I remember the first pruning, and I remember how fruitful that was. How It was hard. It was terrible. I, I didn't like it at all, but I saw fruit as a direct production of, of that 
of that season of pruning. So the second time when it came around and I was like, really? Like, are you ever going to let me just grow? And I, I felt like now I feel like God has like positioned me. He's tied all, like I am just positioned. I am ready for fruit production. In fact, I have a couple pictures of me during that time. Okay, there, <laughs> there I am. Uh, that was when we moved to Florida, and there we are, and that's my 50th birthday. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, I just had to, like, superimpose my picture on that. I thought, that's exactly how I feel right now. See that last picture? That's exactly how I feel. Like, Sandy's just standing there completely bare and pruned back. I know, it's silly. Sorry. Okay, so herein lies the testimony of mature pruning, that you will finally be so surrendered to God that everything that you love dearly, even worthy goals and worthy activities and relationships and dreams, good things, that all of it will be surrendered to God's sovereign keeping. Okay, that is the testimony. And what remains in your grip is just one thing. that you would abide in the vine so deeply that you would bear a ridiculous amount of fruit, so beyond what you could have ever done on your own. I love this John Piper quote. He says, Lord, let me make a difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. Like, when, when, when people look at me, when people look at you, I want them to say, wow, Sandy, God is so awesome. Like, I don't want them to look at me and say, wow, that's really cool what you're doing. Like, I'm so done with that. I am so done with that. I want them, I want them to look at me and see the fruit that came as a result of that pruning, and it's all God. Like, it truly, I used to kind of say that my whole life, but I am honestly and for real at that place right now where I can say it's all like it's so disproportionate to who I am if you see anything that I'm producing it's so disproportionate to who Sandy is it's all God okay so what is fruit what does all this mean when Jesus says eight times he wants us to bear fruit what exactly is the vine dresser getting at when he prunes us back so severely for the purpose of a greater yield well, as you know, that not everything that claims to be fruit is actual fruit. For example, these lovely berries. Aren't they pretty? I found those in the candy aisle. <laughs> berries. Okay. Fake fruit. Also, I brought with me tonight. Yes. Sorry, I'm making terrible noises. I've got bananas and limes and grapes and, I don't know, oranges and hearts. <laughs> I think those are supposed to be apples. I also have fruit salad and fruit slices. These are the most disgusting things. I've had these in my room since September when I delivered this the first time. They look more gross than they did when I bought them. My daughter actually wants these. She said, can I please eat these? And I'm like, no, you may not. And the ever-popular Fruit Loops. Okay? There is nothing about this that is real fruit. It may be the same color as fruit. It may smell like fruit. These actually smell really good. Um, 
they may have the same color, they may have the same shape, they may have the same size, they may even be made with real fruit. But if it's not fruit, it's, it's going to be some level of fake, okay? So what are some things that pass as fruit? Before we get into real fruit, we're going to talk about some things that pass as fruit that we might be confused. If I hand you some berries, I want you to be able to tell the difference between this and a real raspberry, okay? Some things that pass as fruit. Financial or worldly success. Can God bless you with material wealth and success? Of course he can. Is all material wealth and success fruit? No. No, it is not. In fact, in the New Testament, I see more warnings against having material wealth than I see indications that God has blessed someone with it. Christians get weird when you talk about money, so I'll say this really fast. Okay, so the size of your bank account has absolutely nothing to do with the quality or quantity of your fruit. The only, the only way that it, you can kind of correlate it is if you acquired your money through dishonest means, then that could be a reflection of the quality of your fruit. Or if God has entrusted you with a lot of money and you have not been a good steward of that, that could be indicative of the quality of your fruit, bad or good. Um, but, but there is not a material blessing is not a natural outgrowth of a vine, of a branch that is abiding in the vine that is regularly and properly pruned, okay? So don't confuse the two. Secondly, a flashy ministry, a big following, you know, we know that, that worldly success is, is not fruit, but you know what? Christian success isn't fruit either. Can God bless you with a big following? Of course. Is every big following fruit? No. You can't look at the size of a church or whether or not a book hits the New York Times bestseller list or whether or not, you know, you have likes and followers on your social media, how many people listen to your podcast. Like, none of that is a direct outgrowth of a vine, of a branch that is abiding in the vine that is regularly and properly pruned. We know all kinds, we all know people who have huge followings that are not godly people. Now reaching people and bearing fruit are closely related and we will talk about that in a minute. But just like money, you can't look at only that. Your social media following may be made with fruit or your following might have natural fruit flavors. I know, this is falling apart. The analogy eventually breaks down at some point and we have reached that point. Okay, number three. Following all the rules and laws of a Christian denomination. That is not fruit. Following rules is not a bad thing. I am a natural rule follower. I am the person who stands at every single pool entrance and reads all the rules of every single pool I have ever been at my entire life. I am not even joking. I love rules. But you can look exactly like fruit on the outside and have absolutely nothing of substance on the inside. Jesus made this really clear when he talked to the Pharisees. He, in Matthew 23, verse 27 and 28, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful. 
but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Okay, the fourth thing that can sometimes pass as fruit is perpetual self-improvement and or education. Now, I like learning new things. I have a college education. I enjoy becoming more efficient at things. I like being skilled at stuff. I like learning how to um, be a better parent, and I want to learn to um, be a better women's ministry leader. I, wanna, I love learning things. I love self-help books. I read tons of blogs. I listen to tons of podcasts. Like I love that stuff. I'm always wanting to learn. But self-improvement cannot be confused with fruit. Because how do I know this? Because you can get really good at stuff apart from Christ. So anytime you can do it without Christ, then, then that's how you know. That's the real test. Like, could I do this without Jesus? No. Okay, does Jesus anoint us to get good at stuff? Of course he does. Like, I hope that he's anointing me. I hope that when I'm learning things, he's anointing my mind and, and that he's, he directs me on what to read and what I should learn. Like, yes, absolutely. Like, we want him to anoint our, our gifts. He's the one who gave us the gifts and talents. He's the one who gave us our mind. He's the one who gave the authors of the books we read the ability to write those books. It's all about Jesus. But if you can, if you can just get super smart and super good at things and not, never spend any time with the Lord, then that's not fruit. Okay? One more thing before we leave the subject of false fruit. One of these is real, and one of these is not. From where you're sitting, can you tell which is which? Any guesses? Okay, the reason I show you this is because when you are looking at other people's fruit, you may not be able to tell if it's real or not real, nor should you necessarily, okay? I want you mostly to focus on your own fruit. Now, let me tell you two exceptions of when you get to judge other people's fruit. One is when you are when you are following someone who you are allowing to input into your spirit, into your mind, into your heart, when you are following someone who is inputting into your life, you know what? Take a step closer. Feel that fruit. Taste that fruit. Squeeze that fruit. Smell that fruit. You're allowed to do that. Another time when you are allowed to do that is when you are putting your children in the care of someone else. You know what? I'm going to slice that open. I'm going to taste that fruit because when my, I am not going to put my kids under any, I have to stand before God someday and give an account to how I, what I expose my kids to. And so the, the quality of your fruit is my business at that point. Okay? So, you know, there's, 
it's really popular right now to go and like order your groceries ahead of time and then pull up and eat. I would have loved to do that. When my kids were still napping, that would have been such a beautiful thing. My kids are past that stage. I don't do it. But I will tell you, one of the things that makes me not ever want to do it is because I need to pick my own produce. Like when I go through the produce section, I need to touch everything. Like I'm the one lifting up the berries and looking to see if any of them are, are moldy or squishy and, and I need my bananas to be at a certain ripeness like I need bananas now and then I need some bananas for next week and so I need them to kind of like gradually so I need to do all of that myself that's how you need to be when you are going to consume someone else's fruit I don't want you to phone it in and have someone dump it in your trunk you need to go pick it out yourself in those two circumstances Jesus said make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad, and its fruit will, will be bad, for you can recognize a tree by its fruit. So you are allowed, in, under certain circumstances, to judge. But you know what? If it's the lady who is sitting on the other side of church, and you don't have any connection to her, you ha do not look over at her and be like, what is up with that? Like, okay, it's none of your business. Just you focus on you. You focus on you and abiding in the vine. Let Jesus mature your fruit. Let, let the vine dresser prune you, and you don't need to worry about it, okay? Everybody good? Yeah. High five? No. Thumbs up? What are we doing? Okay, fist bump. Okay, so what is real fruit? This is the point of the whole thing. Fruit production of excellent, excellent quality and abundant quantity. Now, remember when we talked last week about how abiding is all the stuff we do in secret? Okay, fruit is the opposite. Fruit is all the stuff everyone sees and tastes and smells coming from you. It's all the stuff that is happening out in public. It's all the stuff that people, when they are sitting next to you and talking with you and dealing with you, what is coming off of you is your fruit. Okay, now it might not always be great, so we're going to talk about grapefruit, okay? Um, it's the stuff that, that, that has the impact on people, not only here, but it's the stuff that will, you'll carry into eternity with you as well. Let me give you an illustration just so you can understand the difference between abiding and fruit, because this is a really, really important distinction. So in the business world, there is a saying that I love, that I have adopted, that um, says, focus on systems, not outcomes. Okay, so... I am a writer, and, and so if I were to focus on an outcome, my outcome could be I want to write a book by the end of 2019, okay? That's my outcome. To focus on systems would mean I'm going to write two hours every day first thing. I am going to um, start writing as soon as I drop off my kids from school, at school. I'm going to fiercely protect that time to write. I am going to um, write before I do anything else. I'm going like, okay, the system is two hours of writing every day. The outcome is having a book written by the end of 2019. If I focus on the system, I am much more likely to get that book written than if I'm focusing on, I'm going to write a book by 2019. Abiding, it's the system. The fruit is the outcome. So if you want an outcome of, I want to love people better, then you focus on the system of, I'm going to spend more time with God, 
I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to understand who Jesus is. I'm going to, I'm going to trust him more. I'm going to um, change my thinking with the word of God. Okay, so that will naturally produce the outcome of the fruit. Another example is in fitness. So people will say, I want to lose 20 pounds. That's an outcome. Losing 20 pounds is an outcome. The systems would be, I'm going to um, walk every day at lunch. I'm going to stop drinking soda and switch it to water. I'm going to um, not eat at fast food on Wednesdays. Instead, I'm going to come home and eat a home-cooked meal. Okay, so you employ those, put those systems, you focus on the systems, and guess what? You will lose 20 pounds because you focused on the systems. If you're just like, I need to lose 20 pounds, I need to lose, you, you will drive yourself insane unless you change your systems, okay? So think of abiding as the system and the fruit as the outcome. Focus on systems, not outcomes. So as we're talking about all this stuff, I want you to think, but my focus is abiding. Okay, my focus isn't the fruit. That's why I brought all that up. Okay. Fruit is the natural and inevitable outgrowth of a branch that is abiding in Christ and is regularly and properly pruned by the Father. The first inevitable outgrowth of a branch that is abiding in the vine and is regularly and properly pruned by the Father is leading people to Christ. This is the most natural outgrowth of a life that is abiding in the vine. When you abide in Jesus and Jesus abides in you, you can't help but talk about him because it's changed you. He's changed you. Your relationship with that vine has changed who you are on the inside. But Sandy, I'm not an outgoing person and this is so uncomfortable for me. <laughs> really? If you found a life-changing sale at Macy's, you would be all over the place. You'd be like, it is 75% off on top of the 50% off, on top of, and if you pay for it with your Macy's charge, it's another 25% off. You have got to go. The clearance is amazing. You would be all over the place talking about that. Or, you know, whenever people, you can always tell when people are, like, into a new fitness thing because they become evangelists for that thing. Like, there are keto evangelists everywhere. Like everyone wants to talk about their system because it's working. That's why, because it's changing them. And people notice. And so people are asking, wow, what are you doing? You look amazing. Well, I'm doing keto is what you're hearing these days. So when you are a true disciple of Christ, you will share your faith with others. And I'm not saying we're all going to do it the same way. You know what? When I first came to God, um, when I was 18, uh, it was really popular to go door to door and hand out tracts. Okay, you know what? I would rather stick a straight pin in my eyeball. Like, I am not even kidding you. That is, it's like the worst thing you could possibly ask me to do. I don't even like to answer my own door. Like, someone rings my doorbell and I go hide. I'm like, I'm not home. <laughs> I hate it. I am not going to go to your door and hand you a track. I'm just not going to do it. But you know what I do like to do? This. I love this. I love to write on my blog. I love to have a conversation with a mom who's going through something really hard. And I can say, you know what? I've been through something really hard too. And, um, and God really helped me. And this is how. 
you know what, you might not go to Haiti or to Uganda or lead worship or teach on a Wednesday night, but you will do something. Now, if you're having trouble with sharing your faith, okay, you're looking at your branch and you're like, hmm, I don't see that one. Okay, don't look over there. Turn. Turn your attention to the vine. Focus your attention there. I promise you, the natural and inevitable outgrowth will come. It will. It will. The second inevitable outgrowth of a branch that is abiding in the vine that is regularly and properly pruned is love. Love is both the deliberate act of abiding, like we talked about last week, but it is also the fruit of abiding. So as we love God more, we will love people more. And as we obey God's word more because of love, we will love people more. Let's look back at our text in John 15, verse 9. Jesus said, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Verse 17, this, is, this I command you, that you love one another. There's a couple other places, there's probably more, but a few places I want to bring to your attention. Um, the connection between abiding in Jesus and loving others. John 13, verse 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Because people will see it. It's the fruit. 1 John 3, 10 and 11. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is also increasing. So as our faith is increasing, so our love for one another will naturally increase. We cannot abide in the vine and continue to hate people. If you're having a hard time loving people, Okay, don't focus on, we're going to focus on loving God. We're going to focus on abiding in the vine. We're going to focus on getting those nutrients, expanding that connection between you and Jesus so that his love can start to flow through you and you will produce the fruit. You know, I used to think it was really cute, and I've said this up until very recently. I used to think it was funny when I would say, you know what, I love Jesus, I just don't like people. And I would joke and I would say that and, and giggle with my friends. And you know what that is? That's, that's an immature branch talking. It's not cute to love Jesus and not like people. It's not cute. It's kind of funny, but it's not cute. And it's not godly. And, and, I, and I, I'm sorry that I have said that and that I've made a joke of it because you know what the reality is? If I'm abiding, I will love people. 
The third inevitable outgrowth of a branch that is abiding in the vine and is regularly and properly pruned is good works. When you are filled with Jesus and his love and his strength is pumping through you, you will do good works. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. James 2.14-16. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, confiding in the vine, but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? That's a rhetorical question. He means there is no good in that. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Colossians 1, 9 through 12 we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. How? Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So what are good works? Well, it's probably exactly what you're thinking. It's serving people. It's showing up. It's being kind. It's feeding the hungry. It's giving generously of your time and your resources, your money, good works. Are you having a hard time giving of yourself to others? Focus on the vine. The fourth inevitable outgrowth of a branch that is abiding in the vine and is regularly and properly pruned is virtues of character. It's time for more grapevine trivia with Sandy. Hold on, I have to tell you some more things about actual grapevines. Okay, so... Some fruit, do you know how many YouTube videos I watch, just FYI, just a little side note, not in my notes. When I was, <laughs> I loved watching the YouTube videos about grapevines. <laughs> so fun. Okay, um, so one of the things I learned is that, you know, some fruit, I mentioned this a couple, maybe in the first lesson, I don't remember when I said it, but, <coughs> excuse me. Some fruit and vegetables can be picked early um, before it's ripened, right? So you can pick like, a tomato or a peach or pears or avocados or bananas, you can pick them when they're not ripe and they will continue to ripen off the vine. <clears throat> Grapes are not like that. Grapes um, do not continue, like they will grow, they will, they will look like this on the vine, but if I pick them and they're still sour, they will always, always, always be sour until they rot, okay? So you can't pick a grape and then like stick it in a paper bag like you can with an avocado and let it get ripe on your counter. It won't do that. So <clears throat> how do vine dressers know then when to pick them? Well, there's two things that they are tempted to do but they cannot do, okay? One is they can't go by sight. So they're gonna, the grapes will develop the size and the color 
They look ripe. They look exactly the same as they do when, like, it's not like a tomato where you can look at a tomato and you know the perfect color of like the perfect tomato. You know the exact right time to pick it, right? Okay, they don't do that with grapes. So you can't look at a grape. The other thing you can't do, and this I thought was so cool, is you can't base the harvest time on last year's date. So let's say that, you know, there's a vineyard, you have thousands of vine, you know, vines with grapes. You can't, it takes a while to, to, to you know, harvest all of that. So it takes some planning. So if, if last year they did it on September 15th, they can't just say, okay, well this year we will also harvest on September 15th. The reason is because <clears throat> the ripeness of the grape, the timing of that, is directly affected by the amount of sunlight the grapes got that year. So on the years where there was a lot of sun, they ripen much more quickly. When there are cloudy years, it takes a little bit longer for the sweetness. Isn't that so cool? So how do you think the vine dresser knows when harvest time is? Taste it. So he'll go up to each plant, and he has to sample a little bit from a couple different clusters. He can't just go to one cluster and go, that one's good. He has to go to this cluster, this cluster, maybe three or four on each plant. And then when they're all sweet, it's harvest time. OK. The virtues of character, this, this is your sweetness, OK? When people bite into what you are offering them, what does it taste like? Those are your virtues of character. If you are in a season where you feel like you're ready to be harvested, and you're looking at your fruit and you're like, but it looks good. Look at that. God, will you just trust the vine dresser to know when it's time because you know what you don't want you don't want someone to harvest all that fruit off of you and then have them spit it out of their mouth because it is not palatable you do not want that so let it let the vine dresser decide when it's time to harvest your fruit okay the virtues of character galatians 5 22 through 23 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <clears throat> Pause. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ and filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, goodness, righteousness, 
truth, knowledge, depth of insight, pure and blameless righteousness. All of those virtues are your sweetness. Are you having trouble with any of that? <laughs> Who isn't? Okay, if you are, if you are not having trouble, then let's talk because I would like for you to mentor me. Um, don't focus on all of that. Focus on abiding. Focus on abiding, and that is an inevitable outcome. Just give it, give it time. Submit to the fine dresser. Let him decide how much time you need hanging on that vine. Don't start pushing your fruit on people. Just let him do it. The fifth inevitable outgrowth of a branch that is abiding in the vine and is regularly and properly pruned, that's a tongue twister, is the ability to hear God's voice. Now, if you're like me, you have tiers of friends, okay? So I have my acquaintances, and then I have my friends, and then I have my good friends, and then I have, like, my BFF, okay? And the way that my friends are sort of categorized in my mind, like, the way I, you distinguish, like, where you fall in that tier is how often and how deeply we talk, okay? So, like, right now... Like, I'm just kind of talking at you. A lot of you I don't know personally. Some of you I know very well. But if you go down that tier to my inner circle, my best friend, I talk to her. I've, I talked to her today, I think, five times. Today. We talk all day long. I, when I, something pops into my mind and I, I tell her. I mean, literally, like, thoughts pop into my mind. We probably have an addiction to each other. It's a little unhealthy, actually. But, but the point is that the closer that you get to someone, the more intimate the conversation. I tell her things that I don't tell other people. I trust her with my information. Okay? Jesus said in John 15, 15, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is how it is when we abide in Christ. Jesus tells us stuff. He's telling us on an intimate level. If you're having trouble hearing God's voice. Spend more time with the vine. Work on that connection. Do all those things in secret that we talked about last week. And you will hear him. You will. The sixth and final inevitable outgrowth of a branch that is abiding in the vine and is regularly and properly pruned is answered prayer. John 15, verse 7 and verse 16. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, does this mean that anyone can ask anything they want and it will be done for them? No. No. And to be perfectly candid, 
I'm not sure why there is often an inconsistency with what I am asking and what I am seeing God do. I don't know. And honestly, that's one of the things he has asked me to submit to him, to surrender to his sovereignty. That's been part of the pruning process for me because I'll tell you, when you are praying for your child to live and who dies in your arms, that's a tough one. I don't know. But I do know that his word says that when I remain in him and his word remains in me, that I can ask him things and he will do it. It's very conditional. It doesn't mean anyone can ask anything. It means he wants us abiding in him. I believe it has a lot to do with that as we abide in him and we start to take on his character and we start to think his thoughts that we are automatically praying things that are in his will. I believe that it means that, um, you know, just the, the whole motive behind our prayers change. You know, we're no longer wanting just things because we want things. We want to advance his kingdom. It's a different prayer. And so those prayers are more likely to be answered. Um, you know, I, I don't really know how all that works. I do know that when I get, when I look and I'm like, he says, that's what he does. He says, don't, don't focus on that. Okay, so you might be looking back at, at that list and you might just be like, oh, shoot. <laughs> my, my print is pretty lame. Okay, don't start going down the list and thinking, I really need to work on evangelism. Like, no, 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 no. Like, you're missing the whole point. Don't do it. If I haven't said it enough, at least 10 times tonight. The fruit will come. Don't focus on the outcome. Focus on the system. The system is the abiding. Focus on that. We don't produce fruit, good quality or good quantity, by focusing on the fruit ever. You can't do anything to make this go any faster or get any better. You can't do it. You can only produce real fruit. You know, if you want a lot of this stuff going on, then go crazy. You know what? If that's, it's pretty. It's pretty on the outside. A lot of people like gross candy with red dye 40 in it. But you know what? If you want real fruit that will remain, like, you, that isn't how you get it. You can't. Okay. Final thing I want to talk about very briefly is harvest time. So in the ancient Near East, all the vineyards had a wall around them. And it was like a hedge to protect. It wasn't like a hedge, like a, like a, you know, a hedge that you, like a little bush. It was, it was like a wall, okay? And they, it was a wall around to protect, protect the, the vineyard from animals and thieves. And, and each vineyard had a watchtower. And, and, and it's where the vine dresser could go in there and oversee all the vines at once. Because the, the fruit was so, um, it was so valuable that they didn't want people coming in and stealing them. They didn't want the animals coming in there. And then um, during the summer and into harvest season, watchmen would actually go up in there. And sometimes the vine dresser would move his whole family into this tower. And that's where they would live up until it was time to harvest because the fruit was so valuable. 
It was so valuable. They didn't want it to be um, anything to happen to it. Like they had gone through so much trouble to get it to that point, right? And, and all, every grape, um, every vineyard had its own wine press right in there. So as they were harvesting the grapes, they could, they could make the wine right away or, you know, at least crush the grapes. They can't make wine right away because it takes time. And there were at least two Jewish festivals that focused on the harvest. One was the festival of harvest or fruit, first fruits, which came in the spring. That was like a first one. Um, this year, it was just celebrated on April 21st. And then there's the festival of booths that fell at the end of harvest in the fall. And while the farmers knew that they needed to do their part by planting and keeping, you know, the branches pruned, the focus of all of their festivals were to give God the glory because they knew that it was only by the hand of God that that fruit was there. And it was a time of celebration. Harvest time, they would sing, they would shout, like harvest time was the best time. And then when they would, they would like sing songs as they would be trotting the grapes, it was a time of celebration. There is a time to celebrate the fruit that God is producing in your life. That is a very godly concept. You don't need to shrink back from that or, you know, all the false humility that goes with that. You know what? If, if God is producing fruit in you, then you celebrate that. And you give God all the glory. It doesn't make you any better. It just makes you give God. I mean, just the act of giving him the praise and glory for the fruit production in your life shows that you know you didn't do it on your own. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's not only fruit for now, but John 15, 16 says that we will produce fruit that will remain. The fruit that we produce quite literally will last forever. And this is why Jesus chose this to be one of the last things he shared with his disciples a few hours before he died. Because it is so very important to him. Let's finish by reading Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. They will be like, tr like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots into the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. Let's pray. God, thank you so much For this word, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for what you have done in my life, and I am thankful for what you are doing in the lives of all the people in this room and all the people who will hear this message online and wherever else they will hear it, Lord. I am so thankful that you have given us a good plan, that you have given us the instructions of how to abide and what we should focus on and you have promised a deep personal connection with us so that we can bear the fruit that we really want to bear. Lord, thank you. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you, Father, so much 
for everything that you um, continue to do, Lord. I pray that wherever we are in this process, if we are in a, a season of pruning or if we are in a season of excessive growth or if we are in a season of abundant fruit production or we're just waiting to be harvested or we're young and not yet producing any fruit and we're wondering what is going on or maybe we are in the middle of a time of discipline because there is sin in our lives that needs to be taken away. Lord, I just, I just pray wherever we are that you would speak to each individual heart, that you would bring them to the place where you need them to be, that you desire for them to be. Lord, help us to remember that your goal is relationship with us. It's not fruit production for the purpose of bearing fruit. It's fruit production because we're in relationship with the vine. It's the relationship with the vine that is the connection, that's the important thing, that's the focus. Lord, we want to know you. We want to know you. 